Hi, welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Alex Papas, Senior Pastor at Oceans Unite Christian Center. It's so wonderful to have you here. And uh, God is still on the throne. And He is still in control. Amen. And how many of you are grateful for that? Imagine what the world would be like if you were on the throne. I don't want to imagine it. (laughs) But He's on the throne. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His promises are yes and amen. And He is a good God, a loving God, a faithful God. Even when things don't go the way we expect them to, He is always great and greatly to be praised. Amen. Uh, This morning... Before I get into the message, it's actually been quite astounding to me. Most of you know that we are starting our Daniel fast this evening, and we scheduled this Daniel fast months ago. I mean, we planned you know, our calendar. We sat last year and planned our calendar, and what's been really amazing to me is I have never seen the Daniel fast or fasting on the map like it is this year in the body of Christ all over the nation not only in this nation, but even the nations of the world. You know, we've been fasting as a church from our inception. In fact, the church that I come out of, we've been fasting every year at the beginning of the year from when I got saved. In 1997 was the year I really gave my life to the Lord. I, was, I grew up in a Christian home and served the Lord as a child. But that, you know, there's that moment where you kind of like, this is the moment. You know, that was my moment. Um, but I have never seen... So many churches making a commitment to fast. But what's even more astounding is somehow we all plan to do it from the 9th of January. Now that's something that's just unbelievable and only God can orchestrate something like that. I mean, I've been looking online, evangelists and ministries up north and ministries internationally, they're all starting a fast today. Now, I think God must be up to something. You see, most people always want to do things in the natural. Let's get all the churches together in town. Let's all pray, and then we'll be in unity. You see, God has a way of bringing us into unity all across the nations of this world because the Bible says that we worship Him in spirit and in truth. So when we come into unity, we do it in the spirit. Not that there's anything wrong with us all coming together in the city. That's a good thing. But what I'm saying is is that God has a way. Because you must remember, we can be praying right here in the United States. And in South Africa, they can be praying as well. And every prayer is coming up to heaven like a sweet-smelling aroma. And if we're praying for God to move, and they're praying for God to move, and in France, they're praying for God to move, and in Bulgaria, they're praying for God to move, and in Jamaica, they're praying for God to move. Listen, God is hearing those prayers. But somehow, it's just incredible to me how all of a sudden this year, it's like we're all starting on the same day. Most years gone by, some guys start on the 1st of January, some guys start on the 9th of January, some guys only do it in February, but I've never seen like this year. Every single church that I've seen, personally, I'm sure there are some that aren't, but most of them are starting today. I think it's amazing. And if you're not fasting with us, 
Don't feel bad or guilty. We're not trying to force you into doing anything as the Lord leads you. And remember that you don't have to do 21 days with us. If you, know, you feel this morning a bit of a tugging on your heart, you haven't prepared for it, you're not ready to do it, start next week. Jump in for 14 days or seven days and you know, do the Daniel fast. If, you, if you're very good at eating vegetables, you shouldn't do the Daniel fast anyway because it's not a sacrifice for you. Bring the lamb. Let's cut that puppy up and eat it. Amen. You've got you to you do something that's a sacrifice to you. Why? Because you see, fasting is not about starving yourself so that you can go on diet. Fasting is that when you get that hunger, when that hunger comes, that, that, that instead of thinking about, woe is me, for I cannot eat, you're supposed to think about, why am I fasting? And get to God and begin to pray and begin to cry out to Him. You see, the power in fasting is not fasting itself, it's prayer and fasting that rebukes the enemy, that moves the enemy. Can you say amen? amen? So just wanted to put that out there this morning. Again, please, if you're not fasting with us, don't worry. I can tell you God's going to move very powerfully at the Holy Spirit Fire Conference. After a fast, it's just amazing how the Lord always does. It's not because He's any different, it's because we're different after a fast. We look a little better, we move a little better, we hear a little better, we see spiritually a little better. It's a great thing. So I encourage you, get involved or participate in some way, even if it's just in the prayer side. We would love you to do that. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, this morning, we're going to be speaking about spiritual discipline. And last week, I shared with you a message that I believe is extremely important for us to grasp and understand. I spoke to you about the favor of God, or you can basically say God's grace towards us, because favor and grace is the same Greek word. It's a powerful Greek word, and we know, if you were here last week, that favor or grace comes to us because of what Jesus has done. And in order for me to dive into this morning's message, it's very important that you grasp one concept. You must understand this. Because even discussing spiritual discipline, if you don't grasp the reasons why you're doing it, it can become something that will be ineffective in your life. Let's start by reading Ephesians 2 verse number 8. This was a scripture from last week, but I think it's important to begin this morning by just refreshing on this. Ephesians 2 verse number 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not works, lest anyone should boast. In other words, the only way that you can be saved is by grace. The only thing that you have to do is have faith. In other words, you have to believe, and that's what will cause salvation to come to you. Grace comes to those who believe that Jesus died and rose again and is the Son of God. That comes to us only by grace. There's nothing you can do to earn that salvation because Jesus did it for you. Romans 11 verse 6 says this, And if grace, if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. In other words, he's saying, listen, as soon as you try to earn your salvation, as soon as you try to earn it, it's no longer grace. Now you're working for it. Amen. And how many of you know that the Bible teaches us that we have been made righteous? We've been made righteous, and you should all get excited about this, because the truth is that righteousness is also a gift. 
It's a gift that comes to us that was paid for by Jesus, and we get the righteousness of Christ. We get His righteousness. So in other words, we are made right. We are made good because of what He did. So we get His righteousness. There is nothing you can do to become righteous because under the law, it didn't work. God gave the law, and people tried to be righteous, but they failed. The only one who could do it was Jesus. So the only way that he could make us righteous was to give us the righteousness of Christ. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't seek righteousness. There's no confusion here. You are made righteous because of what Jesus did. That's what qualifies you. That's, what, that's the grace that comes to you. You are made righteous. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't seek righteousness. What does that mean? That doesn't mean we shouldn't seek to walk rightly before God. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't seek to live a holy life before Him. Does that make you holy? Does that make you righteous? No. Because you've already been made righteous. But you should still live right. Amen. You should still want to live right before God. You should want to live holy before Him. But it doesn't make you holy because you can't do it on your own. See, what the law couldn't do, Jesus did for us. But Jesus did, said when he came, he said, listen, I did not come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. The law is beautiful. It's wonderful, but it's very difficult. Are you with me? So when we fail, we are still righteous because Jesus made us righteous. We are still righteous. So we can ask for forgiveness, carry on, and we are still righteous. But that doesn't mean that now we must give up and live how we want and live in sin and now we're righteous. It doesn't work that way. Are you with me? Are you, is it making sense? All right. It's really, it's, really, it's really simple. It's really easy. Amen? We complicate it. We make it difficult for ourselves. Now, I've said this to you because I want you to understand something. I want you to understand why spiritual discipline is important and how it is not works that makes you righteous. But we should still seek to walk rightly before him. Now, in the natural, it's pretty simple. If you see someone that goes to the gym every day, especially these athletes that really train and they're like, like their whole body is just pure muscle. How many of you know that when you see someone like that, you can tell that they are physically disciplined? I mean, it doesn't take, you know, you've got eyes to see that you can see the person is like ripped in every area, right? And the only way that they could possibly have gotten that way is through immense discipline. Discipline in how they eat, discipline in their fitness schedule. They probably don't even miss a day of gym, the majority of these guys that are like really, really well trained. I always look at the lives of those swimmers. Now they may not be very, very physically big and stuff, their shoulders are broad, they're very lean. And if you look at the way they live, they eat extremely healthy and they train a tremendous amount from the gym to the swimming pool. They fit, they are extremely fit and it's not difficult to see that these guys must be physically disciplined. You can actually see it. That's a natural type of discipline. The truth is, is that we are also called to be spiritually disciplined. We are also called to be spiritually disciplined. Now, let's see what the Bible says about this. 1 Timothy 4, verse number 7. But reject profane and old wives' fables. And exercise yourself. Everyone say exercise yourself. Or you could say discipline yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little. 
but godliness is profitable for, profitable for all things. Why? Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. It's not saying that bodily exercise is bad or bodily exercise profits nothing. It's just making a distinction. You see, bodily exercise will only profit you now. It will profit you in this world because you'll be healthy, you'll feel better, you'll think better, you'll look better. Everything will be better if you take care of yourself physically. But if you take care of yourself and, and develop yourself, discipline yourself spiritually, not only will it benefit you in this world now, but it will also benefit you in the next world. So that's why it is of greater benefit to discipline yourself spiritually than physically. But don't neglect the one without the other. Is that okay? The only thing is, is that spiritual discipline benefits you here and in the afterlife. Spiritually is so that we can have a better relationship with God, number one. And second, self-discipline or spiritual discipline also causes us to be transformed. It changes us. The more time we spend with God, the more He changes us. He transforms us. So what exactly is spiritual discipline? Spiritual discipline is something that you do to help you grow in your relationship with God. That is spiritual discipline. The truth is, the same way that you can see somebody's life who is physically disciplined, you can also tell when someone is spiritually disciplined. If you look at someone whose spiritual life is disciplined, the fruits of that discipline will be evident in their life, the same way that it is in someone's life who is physically disciplined. There is absolutely no question about it. If we take a look at Scripture, at someone who had a relationship with God that was really quite incredible, quite outstanding, we take a look at someone like David. Now remember, the reason why we want to spiritually discipline ourselves is so that we can have a better relationship with God. Are you with me? And remember, in the process, God will begin to transform us. Now, let's take a look at David from a very simple angle, from just one little scripture, at what his relationship with God was actually like. And we all know the Psalm, Psalm 23, but let's just look at the first verse. Psalm 23, verse number one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We look at that and we think, well, that doesn't say a whole lot. Actually, it says an incredible amount. And it explains to us the relationship that David has with God. You see, the first thing that we see is that he says, because of the Lord, because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, he's my Lord and outside of him, there is nothing else that I need. Every need I have comes from him. He's my protector. He's my leader. He's the one who guides me. He's the one who feeds me. He's the one who takes care of me. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. You can clearly see from David's description of his relationship with God there that he trusts God completely. This is very, very powerful. The other thing about it is look at the tense in which he writes. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. 
It's interesting because oftentimes we'll talk about the way the Lord was with us. Well, you know, I used to serve the Lord like that. I used to pray a lot. I used to spend time with Him. You know, that's right. Your relationship with God is past tense. But if you look every time David speaks about his relationship with God, it is a current relationship. It is a present relationship. It's taking place right now. What's also interesting is he says that the Lord, There is no religion. He just simply says, listen, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. He says this. He says, one thing I have desired of the Lord. Listen, if you could have one thing that you could desire of God, what would it be? If right now God said to you, you can have one desire, one thing that you desire, what would it be? I want to say something. It's interesting because when you look at David's desire and you look at his son's desire, his son asked for wisdom and a hearing ear, which is extremely powerful. And it did so much for Solomon and he wrote with such wisdom, but he also didn't finish strong. And the reason why is because he didn't get what his father did get. What David did understand was the one thing that was more valuable than anything. You see, he says, there's one thing I have desired, and that I will seek. What is it? What is it that he desires? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To do what? To behold the beauty of the Lord. In other words, Lord, I just want to be in your presence. You see, the temple or the house of the Lord is where the presence of God was. And all David wanted was to get into God's presence. All he wanted was to get into the presence of the Lord, to spend time with God, to draw near to God. And it's also amazing because it goes on and it says, and it says, and to inquire, and to inquire in his temple. In other words, I want to hear from you, God. I want to spend time with you, and I want to hear from you. You see, that's discipline. It takes somebody that has a desire to seek the Lord that says, listen, I'm going to go and spend time with him. I'm going to go, and I'm going to desire to hear what he has to say, what his word says, what he says about my life, how he, how he desires for me to live. David understood this principle, and this was not work for him. Because when he was asked, what do you desire? Well, he makes the statement, there's only one thing that I desire. What is that one thing that you desire? He says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. That I may inquire in, of his, in, of his, in his temple. That I can hear his voice. That I can seek his presence. That's David's desire. So you can see very clearly that what the Lord desires from us is for us to pursue that relationship. To seek Him is an important thing for us to do. The Bible teaches us about those who seek the Lord. Psalm 9 verse number 10 says this, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Listen to me. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you, but He does not manifest Himself to everyone. He manifests himself to those who seek him. If you seek me, you will find me. If you want to hear from God, you need to go to him. Knock, the door will be opened. 
Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. You will only find if you go to him. But he's ready and waiting. It's like you've been given, you've been given the prize of the century. You've been given, you've won the lottery. But if you win the lottery and you do nothing with it, it's no good. God has given you every key to success in life. And it starts with relationship with him. Because if you go to him, you'll discover everything that he is, everything that he does, and also who you are. And what he wants to do in your life. It's so incredible, isn't it? Amen. Psalm 63, verse number one says this. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Psalm 10, verse number four says this. The wicked in his proud countenance does not see God. God is in none of his thoughts. Why does it say the wicked? Because the truth is, is that those that do have no desire to seek the Lord rely entirely on their own abilities. The truth is, is that if you trust God, you will seek Him because you will know that outside of Him, you can do nothing. But when you seek Him, you find Him and He blesses your life. Can you say amen? It's a powerful thing. Psalm 40 verse 16 says this, Let all those who seek you rejoice. And be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. So let me ask you this morning, how is your relationship with God right now? I'm not interested in what it was like 20 years ago. Or even last week, what's your relationship with God like right now? Are you seeking Him are you pursuing him? The only one that can answer the question is you. And I'm not asking you this to make you feel bad. Listen, you are saved. If you believe, you are saved. But there is so much more than just salvation available to us. God didn't save you so that you could make it to heaven. He saved you to have a relationship with you. That's why we need spiritual disciplines to help us to pursue that relationship. The same way that if we want to have a better body, we have to go to the gym. Amen? Or eat different or whatever. Are you with me? So in order for us to have that relationship, the question is, are we seeking him or are we not? So let's break it down and make it simple. What can we do to help us in our relationship with God? Or let me say it like this. What are the spiritual disciplines that we can implement in our lives to cause us to walk in this type of relationship with God? The truth is, it's actually really simple. It's not complicated at all. It's a really simple thing. The first thing is the Word of God. Everybody say the Word of God. You see, the Word of God is so powerful. It's like a two-edged sword. The Word of God is like a fire that when it comes into you, it's shut up in your bones and it's like you just want to get it out. The word, of, the word of God is one of the most powerful things and if you seek after God's Word, you will learn who He is in His Word and His Word will also begin to change you. Remember, spiritual disciplines are for two things, relationship and change. We want to be more like God. 
We want to be more Christ-like. The way that we do that is by going into His Word. Because when you look into His Word and you get it and it speaks to you, not only does it come at you, but it begins to transform you. It's like you're looking in a mirror, but your transformation, the image, is beginning to change. What's the image beginning to change into? You're beginning to look more and more like He does. This is good news for most of you. <laughs> it's good news for me, amen? It's like the Word of God is so pure and so perfect and so holy that even just reading the Word, when you, when you really understand it, when God shows you something, it's like when it jumps out at you, it's like it has this ability to just completely transform and change everything. I mean, look at what the Bible says about the transforming Word of God. Romans 12, verse number 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, the Word of God will change you and cause you to move into His will for your life as you're seeking Him in, your, in His Word. The Word is, is, is like... It's like the water that we have to have in order to survive. Without the word, you can never grow closer to God. Paul made a prayer several times, more than once, where his desire was that the people would come to the knowledge of God. He wanted them to know God more. And the way that we know him more, the first step is without any doubt his word, because his word tells us plainly who he is. Amen. So we know the word is one key to spiritual discipline. The second thing, which is also really straightforward, is prayer. No relationship will work if you don't talk. Try it with your spouse or your parent or your best friend and see how long that relationship lasts. Right? So prayer is something that we do all the time with God. And prayer is so powerful. A lot of people say, you know, well, Pastor Alex, I don't know how to pray. Listen, neither did Jesus' disciples. That's why they went to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus gives us the most amazing prayer. It's the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Royal Prayer. And if you study the royal prayer, and if I would have loved to have done it today, but we would have not gotten past this part. So go study the Lord's Prayer, but understand something about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a map that teaches you how to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the moment you praise him. That's the moment you worship him. That's the moment you tell him how great he is. Hallowed be thy name. You are awesome, God. You are mighty, God. And you spend the first part of your prayer just giving him thanks, just praising him, just honoring him. That's what hallowed be thy name means. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's when you speak about And Father, your kingdom come, your kingdom come, your dominion, your rule come in my life, Father, over everything else. Not only now, but I look towards the rule that will still take place on the earth with Jesus when he comes again. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And then you begin to pray about what you need. Give us this day our daily bread. You ask him for what you need, the things. me to have an addiction. I come against it in the name of Jesus. Lead us not into temptation, Lord, but deliver us from that spirit. Deliver us from that enemy. Deliver us from the things that the enemy wants to do. And so it goes on. And then you end off by saying it's all in your hands, God, because yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. And you give him worship. It's not that difficult. You don't have to pray it exactly the way it is every day. It's a roadmap. It's, 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 it's a plan of how we're supposed to pray. Now, that's the way we pray when we go into intercession with him. But the Bible tells us so much about prayer. And one of the things that God wants more than anything is for you to include him in everything in your life. He wants you to include him in, 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 in the things that you love, and he wants you to include him in the decisions that you make. This morning before I came to church, I want to tell you how good I am. This morning before I came to church, I was lying on the bed and I was looking out the window, and I just looked and it was that moment when it's still kind of like light and the sun was kind of just breaking and the color of the grass because of the sunlight was just so beautiful. You know, now normally you could sit there and go, oh wow, that's really beautiful. But why don't you tell the one who so beautiful. There's and, and, and the word is like food and water. Those two things will cause you to become a spiritual giant if you really pursue God in them. If you pursue him, the relationship with him, those two things will change you in the most profound way. There are many other things as well that we can do and discipline ourselves to do to cause us to have a better relationship with God. One of my favorite is worship. And if you, if you make a decision, you say, right, today, listen, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna spend time with God. And you pray for like 20 minutes, that's a lot. And you're thinking, man, you know, I just really have nothing left to say. I can't pray. I don't even wanna pray in the spirit anymore. I just don't, don't know what to do. Just put the worship music on. Just begin to lift your hands. Just begin to surrender your heart. There is something so beautiful and so powerful about worship music, about spending time worshiping God. Music is the way that I worship. You can maybe do it in another way. Maybe you can do it in nature. Everybody's different. But for me, it's music. I just love to worship God, listening to music, listening to just sitting there and just enjoying it. The very first thing I do in the morning when I wake up, my eyes aren't even open yet, guys. I put those headphones in my ear and I put play on right away from the beginning of the morning because I want my heart to open up. I want my, when I wake up in the morning, I want my spirit to begin to give worship to him immediately. It's the most powerful thing that you can do. Another spiritual discipline that I believe is essential for every believer at some point in your walk 
is fasting. Fasting is very powerful. And there is a reason why we fast, and it's not works. Let me prove it to you. You see, the disciples were struggling to cast a demon out of a child. And so they went to Jesus and said, Lord, why could we not do it? After Jesus was able to do it in an instant. Matthew 17, 19 says this. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from there, from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Everybody say nothing. Nothing will be impossible for you. And then he says this. So he says, nothing will be impossible for you. However, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. You see, there will be some things in your life, and the only way to move those things out of your life will require prayer and fasting. There are some forces of darkness that will come against you, and you will need an extra faith. You will need to go to the next level in order for you to have the faith to be able to overcome that thing. And Jesus is the one who says, the only way that that is possible is prayer and fasting. And don't think for one second, oh, well, you know, this was before the cross. Listen, there was no deliverance before the cross for anyone. The only time Jesus gave any authority was when he gave them authority. But before the time of Jesus, there was no deliverance. So they didn't fast for this in the past, but now we fast because we want breakthrough. We want breakthrough. Maybe there's an addiction that you haven't been able to overcome. Maybe there's a child that has not had a breakthrough. Maybe there's something that's required. I don't know about you, but I think our nation needs a bit of fasting. I think we need some, some prayer and fasting for our city. I think we need some prayer and fasting for our community. There is an age group that is lost. There is an age group between the age of 19 and about 35. That age group, they're like, they're, they're, they have a passivity and they don't serve God with passion at all. Not everyone, of course, but there's so many of them that are lost. And many of them grew up in church. I want to fast for that generation. Because I believe that's the generation that God is going to use so mightily in the end times. In the end time harvest. Okay, that was for free. Let me move on. Fasting causes you to become spiritually sharp. If you have been backslidden or you've lost your way a little bit and you want to get back on track as quick as possible, let me tell you, fasting is what does it. Because you have faith when you fast. It's the most incredible thing. All of these things will help your relationship with God get better. Not because God needs it, but because we need it. Amen. Now, let me show you one more thing. Before I show you this, there may be other things that you can do. You can journal. You can spend time alone with God, just solitude. There's many different ways. The bottom line is what will work for you to make or cause your relationship with God to be better. Those are the things that you must discipline yourself to do so that your walk can be better with God, so that you can draw closer to Him. When I saw this one scripture, it just blew me away. Because all of what I've said this morning will mean absolutely nothing if you don't get this right. 
Psalm 27, verse number eight, the same psalm that I shared with you where David shares how he desires to seek the Lord. In verse eight, he says this, watch, because it's so powerful. He says, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. And it's so easy to miss this because what he's saying is so powerful. He's saying, Lord, not only will I seek you here in my mind, but I'm going to seek you in my heart. In other words, it was David's desire to seek the face of God. It was David's desire to have relationship with God. Where? In his heart. That's what he wanted. You see, you can do all the kinds of spiritual disciplines and you will not grow if your heart isn't in the right place. Your motive must be because you want to get closer to him, because you want to know him more. It must be in your heart, just like it was with David. I've given this statement many times, but here's another good reason why we see why David was a man after God's heart. Because it was his heart that desired the Lord with everything. Your face, Lord, I will seek. That's why spiritual disciplines go far beyond enough. Don't talk about works. It's desire. That's what causes us to read the word. That's what causes us to get into prayer. That's what causes us to get into a fast. You know, fasting also means, to, it also represents standing in the gap. Standing in the gap for your loved ones. Standing in the gap for your nation. I can't even wait to see the impact of this fast this year. I believe it's going to shake the planet. I honestly do. I've never seen anything like this. So many churches all together, all around the world, somehow fasting this three weeks. Unbelievable. It will change us. It will draw us closer to Him. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more teaching like this and other material, please visit our website at www.oceansunite.com.